Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hello, everybody. Uh, Garen and Jordan back talking about Garen's very first sermon on the names of God. Uh, from Exodus 3. So this was our message yesterday and just wanting to follow up and ask some questions and kind of dive into a few things that didn't get covered during our time yesterday. And Karen, I got to say my very first thing that I wanted to touch on with this is you're devoting a lot of time to the names of God. (laughs) Yeah. And so my question is, why is this so worthy of a big chunk of our time to, to dive into this topic? Yeah. Because if it was names of like our best friends or something, it wouldn't matter because in our culture, names don't matter. But if in their culture, the name described the essence of who you were, then if God is giving us his core name and then he's adding, he's putting compounds on it, to me, there could be nothing more than to to know that deepest and in, most intimate way that he reveals himself. And like I said yesterday, names are more personal than a title or a category. So people that most know my dad are the guys who called him Jim or Jimmy, not the people that called him Dr. Forsyth. So, yeah. And and to me, it very much relates to God's attributes that we need to know God's attributes. We need to know what he's like, not what we think he's like, not what our culture says he's like, but what he is truly like. So, and I'm going to have a quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, there's nothing more important in the church than we know God truly as he is, or else we create idols or fake gods in our mind. And then we're not worshiping the true God. So, hmm. Yep. So that's to me. What about you? Why do you think it's important? It always kind of weirded me out that other cultures would name their gods. Or I don't, I, is that true? Like in other cultures and in other religious systems, do they name the gods or do the gods name themselves as well? Well, they would say the God had that name, but if they're not true and living gods, then they're, they were just named by the people. Or if there's demonic spiritual forces behind them, maybe they came up with oh, a name. Oh, I see. Okay. Right. I just think it's so cool that our God tells us his name. It communicates that. Yeah. Why do I think it's important? Um, Yeah, because if you understand the baggage and the context that comes with a name in that culture, then you understand why it matters so much. And I think you're probably going to dive into that even more than you already have. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. If it was just talking about, you know, I just named my kids Maggie Jet Jude, like that's great. That's fine. But doesn't carry the same weight as a name in the Old Testament. Not at all. Really. Yep. Because look at different stories. Remember, we were talking about Ruth and the two... Yeah, yeah her uh, two sons. The two... Sickly and... Right, uh, the and names like determined Puny. There. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Jacob wrestles with God. Yep. Or is it Jake, uh-huh. Jacob, Jacob wrestles with God? Yeah, Israel wrestles with God. Israel Jacob is like a God. deceiver. But yeah, all those names. Which he did, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. So it means a lot. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind of the point is that as we get into week by week talking about the different names of God you're going to uncover new characteristics of God based on the names yes. that he's given himself. Yep. And so that's kind of the whole point yeah. is getting to know the different, like that diamond, the different facets yeah. of the name of God. Right. 
and different attributes, different characteristics, different traits. Yeah. And we're going to be looking at the stories where he reveals that name because those are really cool. Because so. it's so easy to put God in a box and just say, this is who he is. Yep. Man. Yeah. It's easy to have him be a God of my creation, um, of my narrative, or just what I think God should be like. And we need to make sure my view of God matches what scripture says, not that I'm crafting him in my image. Right. Which is, yeah, God made us in his image. But somebody said since then, humans have been making God in their image. And we don't want to do that. Hmm. So when you talked about how to say God's name, it's like Yahawaha. Yes. Yaha. Yeah. Yeah. Those are those the, vowels, are just the letters. Oh, those are the letters. Yahawaha. Those are the letters that make up Yahweh. Yeah. And they're all like they're consonants, but they're kind of verbs. And they all have that breath to them, that, that oh, breathing yeah. of air. So that was such a cool thing. I'd never heard that. But kind of say that again in case anybody missed it. Yeah, the, 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 those those letters being the ones that are partly vowels. Um, when you say them like ya, ha, hua, you feel your breath on your hand. And so the rabbis said that God is closer to you than your breath. That every time you take a breath, you're saying his name. That the one I loved is if an atheist is sitting there arguing with you that God doesn't exist. Every time they take a breath in that sentence, they're saying his name. That's mm. what the rabbis used to say. Yeah, And you know, something I didn't say yesterday, but that would kind of lend some support to that is the the word for the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit in Hebrew is ruach, which means breath. Mm. And the Greek word is pneuma, which means the same thing, breath or wind. Um, so there is that, there's that idea that with God, that, that, uh, you know, he breathes into people, he breathes in living into this Genesis one, they became living beings and all that. So, yeah. Do you think that we lose a lot by just calling God, God? Like, is it more, would we get more out of it by calling him Yahweh? Or... Yeah, I think so. That's why, and that's why I think it's fascinating. I didn't know this till last week that his personal name, almost 7,000 times, Yahweh. I mean, at Elohim, the word just God generic is a little over 2,000. He way prefers, mm-hmm. he reveals himself by his name, not by a category. Hmm. That'd be like if I just called you human all the time. Hey, human, come here. Yeah, human. right. If I called everybody human, it's really depersonal, you know. <laughs> we would think you're a cyborg. Yeah, you yeah. got like human skin on and yeah. trying to blend in. Right. <laughs> hey, so human. He much prefers his name. And so huh. it's because it reveals who he is. His name carries weight. So and in your personal time with him, do you still say God or do you use different names? I, you know, I use God a lot, but I also think of him a lot as I am. That, that has gotten into my consciousness. Mm. And he is that to me. I may not say it all the time, but I do try to pray his names. I have since college. When I found out about his names, I wrote them in the front of my Bible, my first New American Standard that I have. And I would pray those names depending on what I, my prayer thing was about. So his name is significant, but I don't walk around calling him I am because nobody knows what I was talking about. Yeah. You know, hey, I am talking to you this morning. If you break like, that out in a prayer, you yeah. get some looks like, what? Oh, I am talking to you this morning. That's great. You yeah. need to, We'll put you in a mental hospital. I am. Talk to me. But in my mind, though, that is very significant. And that's one of my, if I can get this in our minds, like the, the, the weight of that name and that people do think that way about him. Yes. Okay. That's good. Some of the things that you went over yesterday were, well, actually, it was the meat of your message, were the 10 ways that God's name is revealed and just what it reveals to us. And so one thought that, that I kind of had and wanted to expound on was um, that each one tells us about God, but each one also challenges us in a certain yeah, way and right. calls us to something. We don't right. get to just sit there. We have to respond to it. Yeah. 
And so I thought we'd go through those and just think about, okay, what is the way I'm being challenged in that? And hopefully as we talk about that in the next 10 or 15 minutes that one or two stick out to people and maybe it sticks to your heart and it's like, okay, God's really telling me that I need to respond to that part of his name. So don't try and remember all 10 or act on all 10, but maybe just listen for the one or two that really stick out to you and challenge you. That's good. And and that can be kind of your meat on this one. So the first one um, is that God's name reveals that he's personal. That he's personal. Yep. So he's not some distant God. So what's the challenge there? To maybe? me that he wants, number one, he wants a relationship. So do I have a relationship with him through his provision, through Jesus' death? And then that, that's what he's wanting. What he longs is for just an intimate father-child relationship, which he reveals later. So how am I doing in my walk with him and relating to him? To me, that would be it. How about you? But if he's personal, it means it can't just be a transactional relationship. Yeah, good. Like, okay, I prayed for this. You owe me because I gave my tithe and I didn't miss church. It's not like that. Yeah. It's so much deeper. It's a friendship. Yeah. So I would say that's a challenge just to not hold God at arm's length and make it transactional, but to say, you are, I'm a friend of God. You are my father. We are walking together. Yeah. Like you intended. Yeah. You always wanted us to walk together. Yep. So, okay. So the first one, it's personal. Second one that he is mysterious, which is pretty cool. Yep. What's and, the challenge and there? And big for me, because I grew up in a, when I became a believer, I was in a faith tradition that had a lot of very strict theological boxes that God fit in. And they thought they had these religious, these theological systems they created. And I just learned over time that God is bigger than I can know about him. And I he reveals himself in scripture. But when I start constructing theological boxes to put him in, Calvinism, Arminianism, whatever, what I've done is I've made him, I've been making him mysterious and that there's things about him I don't understand. There's tensions I can't hold, you know, there's two things. But if he's mysterious, I can let two things be two things and not have to figure it all out. Yeah. And so I don't, personally, when I'm around somebody that I feel like they think they know, have God totally figured out, <laughs> I'm not comfortable around that because he, sure. he's way bigger than we can, yeah. our theological systems. So for me, that's what that means. Huh. So to be careful in defining him too much. Right. I think it takes a real dose of humility to be able to say, there's just things about God. I'm never going to know this side of heaven. Yeah. And, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, it is so human nature to want to get him down to an equation. Yeah. And, and, you know, just, we know this about God and well, I'm an ant, like he's right. so much bigger. So how can yeah. I possibly understand the creator of the universe who is an eternal being? Like, yeah. To say that I have him nailed down is just, the peak of ego, you know, like, yeah. that's crazy. So yeah, to be okay with the mystery and just say, you know what, there's things about him that I don't understand. And th- that's not saying blind faith right? and and don't make an attempt to understand him or know right. why he does what he does. He gave us minds to think through that, but at and the it, end of the day to be yeah. okay. And it doesn't mean I, I can't it. have doctrine or believe things, right? but with my systems that tend to divide me from other believers, I just got to be careful with all that stuff. Right. Right. Al Earhart, pastor before you always said that most everything is held in tension yeah, and nothing, very few things, if anything is going to be all one side or the other, like, and this is one of those things. Yeah. We have doctrine. We have things like that. At the same time, we're never going to fully yeah. understand yep. God. And that's okay. Number three is that he is self-existent. Can you break that one down for me real quick? Yeah. That he just exists in and of himself. He was not created. He wasn't born. He just has always been in and of himself. He just is, always has been. That is, that's just all it is. So what's my challenge on that one, do you think? You know, probably the, if 
that's the hard, as I was looking at this list, that's the hard one, but mm. probably how I don't like being a creature and a created being, and I don't like living in the limitations of being a creature. So I'm limited in my knowledge and my energy and my time. I preached on that about a year ago and I fight against all that. But to be like, you know, let, let God be the one that's all powerful and all knowing mm. and just let me chill and do what I can do and um, not fight so much against being a creature. Yeah. So to me, it makes me almost go back to the last one that if you get into these arguments and these debates about the big banger that caused the big bang and the, the supernatural force that created nature, right? There had to be something outside of it. Well, if you reason yourself to death, it, it's hard to, it's hard to, come to terms with the fact that there is something outside of space and time. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. And, and so, even though logically that's what makes sense and that God is self-existent, whatever that being is that created everything, it must be self-existent. Like, it's easy to just, I don't know, disregard that because it's hard to understand. Yeah, it's mind-blowing, right? And right. so it's almost that second one yeah. all over again. Like, yep. it's a mysterious it's thing. It's a mystery, so. He is the one self-existent thing in the universe. And uh, I've got to be okay with that. Yeah. Yep. And also that call that I can't be that too, because I want to live without limits, yes. but the reality is that I cannot. Yep. Okay. So that's a good one. Uh, next one, he is creator and master. Yeah. Ooh. And that one I did hit a little bit yesterday when I said two things, and then I'd like to hear what you think, that uh, he's, he deserves my obedience. He's yeah. my king. And that as creator and master, he's the one that defines things. I don't get to define things. Yeah. He defines right and wrong. He defines the things he created. He names them and he calls them things. And we live in a culture that wants to redefine everything. And God is the one who, that's his prerogative. That's not mine. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, it's easy for Jesus to be savior of your life, but Lord of your life yeah. is a whole other thing. Yep. So are you willing to submit and say, I am the clay you are the potter, right? Yep. You determine my days and my steps. Um, yeah, that ultimately you are the master and I am. Yep. And it's a happy obedience because I owe you everything, right. Jesus. But at the end of the day, that's what it is. I yeah. mean, I yep. am you. I belong I like that. to It's you. a happy obedience. I like that. So uh, next one, number five, is that he is uncontrollable and untamable. This is like your favorite one, I feel. If I, if someone asked me what's Garen's favorite on this list, I would say that one. Yeah, because I love that whole idea that God is not a tame lion, right? Yeah, he's not a tame lion, and he's not going to show up when I direct him to, and I can't. You, you a little bit hit it on the what were you, the transactional thing. Like, I can't control him. Like, oh, if I'm good, then he has to, or if I do this, right. then he has to. He's like, I don't have to anything. Um, and yeah, that he's not at my beck and call and he doesn't exist to serve me. He's not my personal assistant. He's not Santa Claus and all of that. Um, I just love that idea. And he can do things totally blow my mind out. Like I totally expect he does this way and he does something totally different. And we've all had that experience. Like I had no clue. So uh, I don't know how fun, sometimes that one's a hard one, but I love that about him that yeah, you can't control him. So. Yeah, I'm seeing kind of a pattern here because just like he is mysterious and he is self-existent, he is not tameable or controllable. And so once again, it takes a dose of humility on this one to say, I am not gonna be able to put this God in a box, but it's so tempting to have a faith where we just like put God in a box. Yes. And it's like, I'm just gonna feel like I'm doing the right thing and being a good person by by going to church and by reading and by giving and just... And then in that way, God is going to 
give me what he owes me. Yeah, and it's like, right. man, he, owes he me. is this whole other being that exists outside of your understanding. And uh, man, that's tough, but that's what God is. Yeah. So Well, even the Ruth story, I mean, she has so much junk that happens. So by the end of chapter one, she's like, God, you have totally trashed me. I am bitter. Mm. And God's like, because you're trying to control how you think I do things. Like, I am doing this huge thing. You have no clue through Naomi, all of this. You mean? Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Naomi, right. And he's like, I'm untamable, man. Like, Messiah's come out of this mess. Messiah's going to come out of this. Yeah. And yeah. And we I, just get frustrated at him all the time. Like, he's not doing what we want, when we want. Well, that was Jesus too, right? Like, everybody had expectations of him and wanted to use him for their own agenda. <laughs> yeah. And he just had, he was not tameable. No. That's why in the the chosen, that line, you know, get used to different. Right. Because he's an untamable God. So just get used to different. Yeah. Oh, man. Have you seen chosen? Oh, you did. You saw the, you saw the finale or no? No, I haven't seen the oh, finale. I didn't okay. get to. Aaron Josue did, but. So you're going to watch them both back to back? Are you yeah. saving up? Yeah, yeah, I did too. I'm, I'm going to wait for that one. Okay. Number six, that he is eternal and that he is timeless. What is the challenge there? Um, I think the challenge is it's easy to think of him time-bound like me and think about, oh, he did this back then or, you know, in the future. The thing I've most, there's a couple ways I could talk about that. The thing that to me is most helpful is C.S. Lewis, the idea that God is always present, right? Everything, even yesterday, 1,000 years ago, he's like, I'm there right now. Yeah, right. And, And the future, like even when you talk about predestination language. It, in some ways, that's a long conversation. I'm, I'm opening can of worms. But that word actually in, in Romans 8, what it means is to know intimately. And God's like, <coughs> it's not so much he's picking what I'm doing in the future. He's like, I'm there. I'm just like watching you. Yeah. And this is what you're doing kind of thing. But here's what C.S. Lewis says that I love. Sometimes you, you want to pray for somebody. Like you tell them, hey, you have surgery at nine. I'm going to pray at nine. You even set alarm. You miss it. And then it's three hours later and you're like, man, I didn't pray for him. C.S. Lewis says, God hears your prayers. He's eternally present. So he's hearing your prayers before the foundation of the earth, actually. Yeah, he's hearing them now, but he's, but he's present then. And I can go back and say, Lord, I forgot this, but you're present right now when that surgery is going on. So I just want you to watch over that. I, that has really affected my prayer life a lot. So it's not it po- making me lazy, but... Is it possible that God is bigger than we think, Garen? Because that's a pretty big God. That's, <laughs> that's like Inception stuff. That's like, uh, yeah, right. Inception or what's or the... Tenet. Tenet or you, you what's the space t- one he made? The, Interstellar? Yeah, it's yeah, like... dude. It, Nolan, yeah. We should like talk to, to Nolan about this, the names of God. <laughs> he could make a movie. He would make a... Yeah, he'd make a crazy one. Yeah, I don't know what my challenge is, but he is eternal and timeless. Um. Maybe it's just, once again, that humility to know that I am a fi... Well, he has made me eternal to live with him eternally, but my time on here is finite. And he is going to continue his mission without me one day when yeah, I'm gone. Right. And so I can so easily put myself in the middle of everything and say, I'm so yeah, necessary for good. this. Yep. But after Jordan is gone, which might be tomorrow, who knows, he's going to not miss a beat and just the mission continues, right? Yeah. And I'll be with him, luckily. That's good. But like... The mission doesn't die with yeah. Me. Somebody has said the funerals in the Bible are really short. Like Moses dies, and then Joshua steps <laughs> yeah. up. Like, right? I, I do have part of his story, but it's his story. Yeah, and it goes. It was been going on before me. It'll go on after me. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's good. good. 
Uh, number seven, today, exclamation point. Dang, that's so con- that, one. that one's convicting because it's so easy. I said yesterday to live in the past with regret or the future with worry. Oh, yeah. Right. And it saps your energy for today. You and said we've you lived more that. in the past with regret is kind of your... No, your... I, I struggle with both of them. Oh, both. Yeah, okay. both of them. I'm... I'm either in the future or past a lot. Huh. And then it, it just ruins today. It takes the energy out of today and I can't focus on today. Yeah. That Lectio Divina, I love the end of the day. At the end of the prayer, it always says something like, I want to be present to you today. I want to live in your joy today. I want to be kind to people today. And I really like that because it, it always, that morning prayer thing calls me to living in today. I don't always do it well. But. Make a make a push for that app real quick because this is really cool. Yeah, this Lectio 365, some I've been doing kind of with the start in the summer with Russ Bauk. And it really impacted my spiritual devotional life in the mornings. It's been a it's been a good thing that I do before I do my own Bible reading and prayer that gets me like really set up for encountering God. So Lectio 365, it's really good. I do it almost every morning. Um, and I'm working on doing it at night too. So yeah. I would say my struggle isn't so much towards worry. I mean, yeah, a little bit. I should probably worry more about the future. I I should probably worry more about the future. I, it's more regret the past huh. and just like, I don't know, being disappointed with things or thinking I could have done better in a situation. So yeah, being present with God today, his mercies are new every morning for a reason, right? Yeah. So, yep. Okay. Uh, number eight, the integrity of God. Yeah, how that how that challenges me is to just to live in the to to model him as his follower to live with as much integrity as possible to yeah to not feel like you have to be dishonest or put on a face for people or be people pleasing but just like can I just be who I am all the time how God created me and what He's called me to do and right yeah that's not easy yeah but for me that's the big one hmm. for that yeah I think I feel the same way you do that you see the standard that God sets just by his character. And obviously we're never going to live up to it, but it makes me want to be more like him and yeah. want to strive for it. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of the gospel is we want to strive and we're, we are being transformed slowly more and more into Jesus into who he is, but um, that the cross, right? It gets bigger all the time when we become more aware of our yeah. inability to do that. Yeah. But it doesn't make me want to stop striving to be we want to bear the name well, right? To bear that name well. That's exactly right. Um, number nine, that he is unchanging and faithful. Yeah. Unchanging. So I, it's, to me, it's tied to the integrity, but it's that I'm consistent. Yeah, that he's just consistently there. He doesn't give up on people and he doesn't change in who he is. So yeah, just for me to to do the same thing is to, Strive to be consistent, be faithful with people, keep my promises. Yeah. Yeah. I This challenges me just because I know I am not these things. I am not naturally unchanging or faithful, right? Like I want to go with my emotions or I want to go with a circumstance. I want to go with what's easy. Um, so the fact that God is not that way, even when I, you know, am not, faithful to him. He is always faithful to me. Yeah. And that always just, yeah, it's a gut punch, but it's also just like a big hug, right? Like yeah. always, always being received back. So kind of like the integrity kind of, a it stirs you to want to be that even though my flesh fails. So, yeah. 
Yeah, it's a good you. thing he is way better than us, right? Oh yeah. He Aren't is, you glad? Yeah. yeah. That oh, our strength gosh. is his weakness. Yep. Number 10, final one, that he is all comprehensive. What does that mean? Yeah, that I mean, his name, I am, it's not limiting, right? It's not, his name isn't, uh, like I said, defender, because if that's great if you need a defender, but if you need a thousand other things, he can't be any of them. Mm. So that his name, that's why he adds the compounds to them all the time. Is like, I am, oh, right? I am, I'm your provider, I'm your strength, I'm your shield, I'm your rock, I'm your fortress, all those things. Yeah. I'm the lion. Um, he's like that transformer that you can add any weapon to. Yeah, there you go. You know, he's not just the rocket launcher, he's everything. Yeah, so that one, I'm like, how, do, how does that one challenge me? Maybe to, to just lean into that and to trust him and all those different aspects of who he is. That's why, probably that's why we need to learn these names is we need to learn how comprehensive he is so right. we know how to lean into him. Mm-hmm in times of life seasons. So, yeah. And then actually this is a number 11, by the way. Oh, the last one is, yeah. Oh, I missed that. Well, Garen, that didn't you take preaching 101, you end on 10. (laughs) (laughs) But he's both noun and verb. And kind of like I said, it's, you know, Greek thought is always about like nouns and things as solid things. You, you, You and I've talked about this. We've heard it. Hebrews thought in terms more of action and doing, right? That's right, yeah. And so that he is, I am, he's a noun and a verb. He's a whole sentence. This idea of God being a God of action who's involved. Probably the way that calls me out is it's easy. You heard Sammy yesterday. Sometimes I can shut people off and sometimes turn them on, mm-hmm. my compassion. Mm-hmm. He never does that. So it's just to, to be a person of action, right? That's the challenge to, sometimes there's things I know I need to do and I just don't do them. And that's, to me, probably the challenge out of that. <clears throat> Sorry. And when we're called to be people of action, that's when it gets kind of messy because anybody can sit in the armchair and have knowledge. Yes, right. But to get down on the muck with people and be a person of action, yep. that's, where, that's where the mess happens yep. and that's where it's hard to yeah. walk it. So you can just show up at church, sit in a seat, listen to songs, even sing, right, and check. you learn and you leave and yeah. that's it. Yep. I did and there's no, there's no... There's no serving in the body. There's no loving people. There's right. no getting to know people in community. Because we're so good at growing people's knowledge. Yeah. But affection. Yep. It's a whole other thing. So that one's really important. Okay. That's good. Final thing I wanted to point out is that you said we come to know his name intimately and experientially through experience with him. That was kind of your wrap up. So can you yeah, the, break that down? The, so we're going to look at his compound names like Yahweh, Ira, Jehovah, the God, Jehovah, I just said it. <laughs> How'd I do that? The God who provides. We, we'll skip the Jehovah thing, but that's not the way his name is said, by the way. That's all. The God who provides. That happens in Abraham when he thinks he's going to sacrifice his son. And then God says, stop. And he's look over there. I provide her for this. Like the God's names. And then he, he reveals himself as the provider. They always happen in circumstances. Almost always. Not quite, but close. And the idea that the way, I, it's one thing to know his name intellectually, but God reveals himself through interacting, through meeting us in our life, especially our difficulties. So the idea that when I encounter difficulties, I need to really be open to the fact that maybe God is wanting to show himself to me in a way that I've never experienced before. Maybe I know it up here, but I don't know it experientially. And it's my chance to lean into him and experience him in a name, not just know it, but know it down here in my gut. Like, oh, now I know God is my provider because I experienced it. I knew it. 10 years ago in my head, but so that he reveals his names in life circumstances, I think is significant. So just my challenge that we lean into the difficulties of life. 
because that's where you learn who he is. Yeah, that's that's excellent. I think what I'm really looking forward to with this series is to kind of get out of my head and into my heart a little bit with understanding more about God and not just knowing conceptually what a name means, but to learn how to walk with him daily, knowing yeah. he is provider, healer, fortress, yeah, um, all those things, yeah. right? So right. how do I how do I live that out? And it's going to be cool each week, kind of a new challenge. Like, okay, this week God is, you know, God is provider. How is He going to provide this week? And just like praying for eyes to see that. And next week a new one. Yeah. So that'll be cool. Yeah. Okay. I think that's that's what we got. Can we get your official Super Bowl prediction before we go? My official? Okay. Do yeah. we really want it? You're on. Okay. The- we, do we want to keep our listeners? That's my question. <laughs> but I got to have integrity, right? That's my goal. That's, Dude, yeah. I just, you know, the Eagles are the only team in the NFL that have all their starters from day one. And I just, they're just beast offensively, defensively. Chiefs are kind of hurt. I just, I don't know. I think Andy's, as much as I'd like to see Andy win, I like Andy Reid. Uh-huh. I think that old team's going to bite him in the rear end. So, man, I saw a stat today that the Chiefs and Eagles both have like the same exact record. They, this is the crazy one. They scored the same amount of points this year. Really? Like 168 or something. Oh, wow. Same amount of points. They have the same amount of all pro players. Uh, there's like one or two more stats, but yeah, it, it's like the most even Super Bowl matchup of all time. Wow. So it should be really good. I'm going to say it's going to come down to the wire and the Chiefs are going to do what the Chiefs They're do. They're going to do what they always do. They're going to just fall into a win somehow. That The yeah. ball's going to roll their way. So I'm predicting a slim Chiefs victory. Um, And I kind of, you know, if the Chiefs lose, we're going to have some grumpy people in the seats. So... That wouldn't be all bad if the Chiefs won. Yeah, it's a good thing we have a whole week to the next Sunday. Or else, yeah, it'll let them kind of yeah. cool off. A good thing bit. Super Bowls aren't Saturday. Yeah, we should we should move church to Sunday night to see who the really committed Christians are. <laughs> I think it'd be me, you, and like we should announce that this Sunday. Hey, next Sunday, by the way, we're we're moving service to. We'll do a Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. We'll say, hey, by the way, we're come back for another service tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because people are going to be worshiping that night, right? Do you think? Let's. You can worship uh, at the throne of the chiefs or... What's the over under on how many Mahomes jerseys are going to be present <laughs> on Sunday morning? It's going to be a sea of red out there. Golly. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, shout out Adam Just. Yeah, shout out Adam. Adam listens every Tuesday when he drives to Topeka. So I hope your drive's going well, man. Yep. And to the rest of you guys, we're excited for this series. Thanks for being with us. Um, hope this was useful to you. And uh, we're, yeah, ready to jump in for the rest of the semester with this one. So yep, it's the start of the ride. We're pumped. All right. See you guys.